The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. If you have Bibles, go ahead and open those up to John chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you're in luck because we've got some for you. Uh, So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand on up. Uh, We've got some of those coming around. If you don't have a Bible of your very own, I would encourage you to take that one with you. Uh, That's our gift to you. We'll have that for you. You can take that, share that, uh, do with that as you please. Hopefully read it. The words of life are within it. John chapter 12, go ahead and open up there. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. John chapter 12. You'll probably recognize this if you've been in church a little while as the triumphal entry. And what that means is there's a day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Uh, He rides in on a donkey or a colt and uh, the people are waiting for him. And he rides in and everyone's shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is is he. And then he rides in and then uh, he begins to get ready for the feast. And uh, John chapter 12 verse 20 is where we're going to pick it up. Now, among those who went up to worship him, remember there's crowds and there's people. And among those crowds and among those people uh, who went up to worship him at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Oh, I I pray that 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 is our voice today. These guys, they come and they see these crowds and they they go up to Philip and say, Philip, Philip, we 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 want to see Jesus. And, And I would pray that our hearts today would come in here and not just simply do church, but we would come in and say, we want to see Jesus. And so these guys, they want to they want to see Jesus. They say, we wish to see Jesus. And so verse 22, Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them. Look at how he answered them. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So this is what Jesus says. Philip and Andrew come to Jesus and knock on his door. I don't know if he's in a room by himself or he's just gathering with the people. But anyway, Philip comes in and says, hey, hey, Jesus, we, we have some guys out here who, who they wish to see you. And Jesus says, I'm on my way to be glorified. They, they want to see me. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they want to see you. He says, he says, great, because I'm on my way to being seen. I'm on my way to make myself worthy of being seen. And so they come in and say, Jesus, there's these guys who want to see you. And Jesus says, listen, I'm on my way to be glorified. How is he glorified? Is he says, I must die. They want to see me? Then I need to go die. They want to see me. I came 
for a purpose. I came for a reason. I came to die upon this cross. And I am on my way to die. I am on my way to be worth seeing. So these guys, they come in and they say, hey, they want to see you. And Jesus says, well, I'm on my way so that they can see me. It's, it's what we would see in, in John 17. If you remember Jesus' prayer. Rico, I think we got it up here. John 17, it says this. Nope. Yep. He says, he says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, that they may be with me where I am. So he's going to die. I desire that I'm going to die so that those who you've given me, they may be with me where I am. To see my glory that they have given me because you love me before the foundation of the earth. So he says in John 17, they're going to be with me. If I go die, they will see me. They will see me. And I could just see Philip in this text. Philip runs in. He says, Jesus, there's these guys who want to see you. And Jesus says, well, the hour has come that the Son of Man must be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Huh? I mean, could you see those guys right then? Like, well, uh, okay. Um, what do you want me to tell them? <laughs> they're, they're right outside. What do you... What do, you, what do you want me to go say to him? And he says this, look in verse 25. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So, so imagine this. These guys come in and they say, hey, there's these guys outside who want to see you. And he says, tell them that they must hate their life in this world. And they must follow me. I'm on my way to die. I'm on my way to sacrifice for sins, for their sins, so that they can be with me where I am, so that they can see me. And so he's like, what do I tell them? And he says, go tell them that if they want to follow me, they need to hate their life. What a message. Now, lest we get confused, let me, let me explain this real quick. This is not works. This is, this is not a works-based righteousness. This is not talking about works. This is talking about uh, not something that you must do in order to uh, achieve Jesus. It's like, it's like, remember the Wizard of Oz where uh, they go down the Yellow Book Road and they finally get to the Oz and they open the door and they say, you want to see him? Yeah, I want to see the Oz. I want to, I want to see him. And they're like, well, you can't see him. Oh, dang. Can't see him? I'll tell you what. Let's, I'll tell you what you need to do. If you want to see me, if you want me to talk to you, what you need to do is you need to go get the broom from the Wicked Witch of the West. And they're like, hey, this is what you must do. This is not what's happening here. Jesus is not saying you need to go do this thing and then you'll be worthy of seeing me. That's not what's going on. But what is saying it's not by works but by faith all right follow me not by works but by faith we see jesus so by losing your life what you're doing by hating your life is a result of faith counting all things hating my life in this world is a result of faith. 
which faith, the root of faith, is seeing Christ as the most valuable thing we've ever seen. The most infinitely glorious thing that we've ever seen. The root of faith is saying Jesus is better than anything I've ever known, anything I've ever seen. He's more glorious than anything I can ever experience. And so, yeah, I will hate my life because he's better, because he's worthy, because he's glorious. And so he says, if I'm not the most glorified thing in your life, you will be chasing these other things. So, so this losing your life, it is, it is not a works, but rather a fruit of faith. It's why he says you'll hate your father, hate your mother, even your own sibling. You know the text that we all hate, right? You'll deny them. Why, why would I deny them? He's not calling us. He's saying, I'm better than them. I'm more glorious than them. All right, so let's talk about faith real quick. Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hebrews 1, it says, faith is this hope in the things that we do not see, right? So we don't see, we don't hear, we hear the word, we hear by faith, we hear by faith, and then we see, we hope for things. That's how faith comes. We, we don't see it, but we hope for it. And so, Matthew 13, 13, shoot that one up there. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, and it says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's hearts have grown dull with their eyes. They can, I'm sorry, with their ears, they can barely hear. And with their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. And so there's a type of seeing that we see with our physical eyes. There's a type of Hearing that we hear with our physical ears. There's a seeing with my eyes. There's a hearing with my ears. But there must be another type of seeing. There must be another type of hearing. So faith comes by seeing. But it doesn't come by seeing with these. It comes by hearing with these. There must be another type. So what's the other type? What's the other kind of seeing? What's the other kind of hearing? Well, Ephesians 1, 16. It's going to help us out. I think we got it. This is Paul's prayer. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your, what's the word? Heart. So now, now it's not just a physical seeing with our eyes or a hearing with our ears, but now it's a, it's a hearing with hearts, our 
eyes of our hearts so that we would know the wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him. So faith, it comes by God opening the eyes of our hearts just like we just sang. That's where we get that. We want our eyes of our hearts to be seen. Not, not just with these, but with these. But not only is it important that we understand that we see with our hearts, but it's also important what is it that we see with our hearts? Keep, keep, keep reading. Next verse. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ? That when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. So by faith, we see with our hearts. But what is it that we see with our hearts? We see that God is more rich than anything. We see that God is more great than anything. He's better than anything that is better than life. He's better than anything I could taste. He's better than anything I can feel. He's better than anything I can touch. He's greater. So, so by faith, we have to understand that we need to see with our hearts the immeasurable worth of Jesus Christ. And so there is a spiritual scene. And there is a spiritual receiving, but receiving Christ as the most glorified. It is possible to see the things that God does and not see him as infinitely worthy. Believe it. It's possible, if you think of Jesus' ministry, he's, he's walking around, he's doing miracles. People are seeing with these his work. It's possible to see him, but not see him as infinitely worthy. So faith must be, the, at the foundation of faith, must be the seeing Christ as infinitely glorified, infinitely worthy. Hebrews 6, it says, rain falls on all the land. Everyone would say that rain comes from God. No one would argue that. But the rain fell on all the land, but some of the land produced thorns and thistles and some produced fruit. And so it's possible to see God with your eyes. It's possible to see what he's doing in her or what he's doing in him or what he's doing here and what he's doing in this place. But never to see him Receive him in your hearts and see him as the most valuable thing. Let me show you an example of this. John 18. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there. I think I have the page number up there for you who have one of our Bibles. If you don't, if you brought your own, just have to navigate a couple pages to the right. John 18. Verse 33, it's a phenomenal text between Jesus and Pilate. Jesus is brought before the religious leaders. He's beaten up pretty badly, right? He's whipped, he's, he's marred, he's 
He's there and they bring him before Pilate. Verse 33, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say this to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? I mean, what do you think I am? You, am I, I don't look like a Jew. Am I a Jew? No. Your own nation, your own chief priests, your own people have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And then so Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I came into the world. Now, there's a lot of debate and there's a lot of controversy about what Jesus was doing. All right. What is Jesus doing here? What is Jesus accomplishing? What's Jesus all about? What did Jesus do? All right, let me, let me just uh, clarify some things for you. We're going to hear it from his mouth right here. This is why I was born. This is why I came. Listen to what he says. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I came into the world. To bear witness to the truth. Okay, not a truth. Not a series of truths, plural. Not a moralistic way of religion. But Jesus says, I've come. My purpose is come so I can bear witness to the truth. Me. I'm the truth. Doesn't he say that? John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I've come to bear witness to the truth, me, I'm the life. And so he comes and he says, I am what sits on and over everything. I'm the way things work for you, Pilate, for Rome, for Jerusalem, for, for us at Life Point Church, for those who have not been born yet, he is the truth that sits on and over all things. And he's come to bear witness to the truth. And he says, and John, he says, you shall know the truth. Me, you shall know me. And the truth shall set you free. And so I would challenge you today. That saving faith. The deepest root of gospel-centered faith is not seen with these because Pilate obviously is seeing Jesus, but seen with this that he is the gospel. That Jesus is the good news. Jesus is what we must behold. He is what we must receive. We must see him as infinitely valuable. So by beholding Christ as ultimate, 
by holding Christ as most glorious, by holding Christ as the most valuable thing, we behold him. And through beholding him, that is the root of faith that everything else pours out of. Look in 2 Corinthians 3. I've got it up here. He's talking about the Jews not seeing that the Bible points to Jesus. He says, but their minds were hardened. For this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. And we have pleaded that today this veil is taken away, that Christ would remove this veil. He says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their what? Their hearts. And so if you think of a veil, when I think of a veil, I don't know how you think of a veil, but when I think of a veil, I think of something that covers the face. Yeah? Most significantly seen maybe in weddings, right? The bride comes down, veil, long veil, sometimes. But this says that Christ takes away a veil that lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. We need to see clearly. We need the veil off of our hearts removed so that the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So once this veil comes off of our hearts, there's freedom. And we all with an unveiled face, beholding the glory, the bigness, the greatness the value, the worth of Christ, the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So there's a change that happens in your life. There's a change that happens in my life by beholding. Everyone say beholding. This is receiving by beholding Christ. So many people think that that change comes from cleaning yourself up or some type of moral right behavior. No, no, no. It says that when our veil is lifted off of our hearts, we behold Christ by receiving Christ. There is a new birth. There's a new life. There's a, there's a new Birth, there's a transformation that occurs. There's something that within our hearts that when we receive Christ as the most glorious, the most worthy of our affections, we see him as the most precious. Now listen. Why am I so passionate about this? It's because the only hope for this church is by seeing Christ as infinitely valuable. The only hope for your families, the only hope for your kids, the only hope for your marriage or your one day marriage, or the only hope for your, for your maybe one day kids, the only hope for you, the only hope for us, the only hope is to see Christ as the most valuable, most precious, most glorified thing than anything we've ever known. And without that, I would say that we're lacking, that we're hurting. 
Beholding Jesus, seeing Jesus, we must grab hold and receive and see Jesus with our hearts. I'll tell you that if your life pursuit is not seeing, receiving, and beholding Jesus as most valuable, probably not doing very well. Probably, probably not making much progress. If you don't see Jesus as the most glorious thing, you're probably in here playing church. Being entertained. And so we get discouraged or depressed. Because we hold something else as most glorious. And so at the root of faith, the hope for this church is that we would see Jesus as the most valuable, precious thing we've ever known, ever seen, ever tasted. Saving faith includes the preeminent worth of Jesus Christ. Keep your finger in John 18. Flip over to John chapter 1. The heart of faith is receiving. Jesus is the most glorious. John chapter 1 and verse 9. He talks about the true light. If you read verses 1 through 4. He says that Jesus was in the beginning and in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines out of darkness. And then he begins to go in. And he says the true light which is Jesus. Verse 9. Which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Remember he said that for this reason I've come. For this reason I've come into the world. He says the true light which enlightens everyone comes into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. And so the world sees him or recognizes him but, but they didn't know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, everyone say receive him. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who are not born of blood, so you didn't inherit that. Not the will of the flesh, I didn't do something to earn it. Nor the will of man. I just didn't want it bad enough. But of God. So you're born of God. You're children of God. A, a receiving as a child of God. And so faith in that the light that shines in enlightens all men. The light was coming into the world by becoming the most glorious perfected, infinite thing that our lives have ever known. He comes into the world and by faith we receive him for the means of salvation. That Jesus provided everything. Let me say it again. Everything needed for salvation. And so faith 
that Christ completed the finished work of salvation by becoming the most glorious thing through his death and through his resurrection. Through his death on the cross, he becomes the most glorious. By raising to life, he becomes the most glorious, most infinitely worth seeing. Keep going. Verse 16. And from his fullness, from the fullness of Christ, we have all received. So there's receiving again. What have we received? Grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, only God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And so through grace, follow me, through grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, He's made him known. It's by grace that the wrath of God of my, toward my sin is removed. And so by faith, I receive that the wrath of God toward my sin is removed. By grace, holiness of God is satisfied. By grace, the righteousness is provided for me. By grace, God's law is completely fulfilled. By grace, all of my sins are covered. By grace, eternal life is offered to me. And it's so by grace upon grace upon grace that I believe that the finished work of Jesus Christ was done on the cross. He says, I'm going to the cross. You want to see me? I'm going to be infinitely worthy of seeing So how do we receive this truth? It is only by faith, through grace, by faith, through grace alone. Now I want you to hear me. Because some of you have been in church for a while. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you didn't. Maybe this is your first time. I don't know. Maybe you've come a couple times. Maybe... Maybe you have this idea of what receiving Christ is the ultimate means. But I want to clarify for you. I believe that it's not something that's receiving by faith. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you now. It's not something that we do when we're six or when we're ten or when we're 15 or 21 or however old you were when you feel like you received and, and all of a sudden you received and you came forward or you prayed a prayer or you did the deal. And in that moment you received. But listen, this is something, this receiving Christ as the most glorious, most infinite, most beautiful, most triumphal thing that we've ever known. This is something that happens every day. Every day. So when we wake up in the morning, we ask God, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. I want to behold you. I want to receive you. I'm trusting you by faith that you've completed the work. And so we are just so stagnant in our faith because we're not beholding the glory of Christ. We must receive it every day. And when you begin to see And behold and receive the glory, the infinite worth of Christ. You see that Jesus is the gospel. 
He is what your heart needs. He is what your heart longs for. He is that thing that aches inside. He is that thing that fills it all. And so if we don't believe that beholding Jesus is the root of faith, what will happen is we, our churches will be filled with nominal Christianity. What do you mean? Take it or leave it faith. Oh, Jesus, I mean, I guess I could take it or leave it. Really has no impact on my life. Really has no impact on the way I think or the way I act. Really, I mean, I could take it or leave it. And so if we don't understand that Christ is the most valuable thing, then we will have take it or leave it faith. But it's only when we begin to behold Christ as the ultimate that faith begins to take root. Listen, the church today is in danger because we don't hold Jesus as the center of the gospel. We don't hold Jesus as the center of the good news. We don't see Jesus as infinitely valuable, as infinitely precious, who's better than everything. We see something else as most valuable and think Jesus can get us there. Hmm? So we hold something else as ultimate and think Jesus is the stepping stone by I get my treasure or the thing that I want. And so many, we hold on to something else. So, so this is what happens. We receive Jesus as forgiver because nobody wants to feel guilty. Who likes feeling guilty? I don't like feeling guilty. So we receive Jesus as forgiver, yet it's not any love for Jesus. There's no love for Christ there. I just don't want to be guilty. And so I receive Jesus as forgiver. We, we receive Jesus as rescuer because nobody wants to perish. Not because I love Jesus, just because I don't want to burn or don't want to go there. I don't, I don't want to perish. So I'll receive Jesus as rescuer, or we receive Jesus as healer because, well, nobody likes to be sick. Nobody wants disease, so I'll receive Jesus as healer, and, and that's what I want. So I want healing, so I guess if Jesus can get me there, that's what I'll take. So we receive Jesus as protector because we all like to feel safe. We receive Jesus as provider or prosperity giver because we like to be wealthy. We like to be taken care of. Hmm? You see, you see the disconnect? And so we'll receive Jesus because we actually hold something else's ultimate and think Jesus can get there. I don't want to feel guilty. Can Jesus give me that? Yeah, then I'm in. I'll take it. I'll do that. Just tell me what I need to do. I don't want to feel guilty. So I'll go there. Just tell me what, what, what you need. To, uh, I need to pray. Okay. Tell me what to pray. Prayer. Done. Okay. Am I good? Tell me, tell me what I need to do. Do I need to, do I need to get wet? I mean, that's kind of embarrassing. I'm in front of all these people. I need to go under the thing. And, I mean, I guess I'll do that if that's what it takes, right? I, and so we don't receive Jesus as ultimate. And I'll tell you today that at the foundation of faith is receiving Jesus as preeminent, as glorious, as more worthy than anything I've ever tasted or seen. 
We don't see Jesus as the gospel. We don't behold him. We don't chase him. We don't long for him. We don't say, Jesus, I want to see you. I want to taste you. I want to see you with my heart. Because we're so busy driven by power and money and fame and knowledge and comfort and safety. And so we don't receive him as infinitely valuable. The Bible would say that the root of faith is seeing Jesus as glorious. Why don't we? Why don't we receive Jesus as most glorious? I'll I'll tell you why I think why. I got a face mic, so might as well. It's because we like to receive Christ in such a way that it requires no change in my nature. We don't like to change my nature. We like to receive Christ in such a way that doesn't require anyone to be born again. And so we like the gospel that says you can chase everything that you've always chased. You can do everything that you've always done. You can love the things. Just simply say, I believe. And everybody wants to be guilt-free, disease-free, safe, wealthy. Jesus can get me that, then I'll take it. So I'm here to tell you that to receive Jesus, to embrace Jesus, must be your supreme treasure and when he is your supreme glorified treasure there will be a new nature we need a new nature huh because the bible is very clear that we're born with a sinful nature and so in order to see christ as ultimate i need a new nature i have a sin nature do you know what sin is it's desiring and loving anything above christ Simple put. Family. Desire family above that. You're not seeing him as infinitely valuable. Money, fame, ministry. Being up here on stage, I see this is valuable. It's not more glorious than him. And so... Everyone wants to be these but, but we must need a new nature because John 3, there's a man who comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and says, what must I do to be saved? You need to be born again. Huh? How am I going to do that? Enter into my mom's womb again. She's going to give birth to me again. I'm kind of big. What do you mean? No, you need, a, you need a new life, man. You need a new nature. Because before, your nature was to love everything else but me, Jesus says. Your nature before was to love the world above me. But the new nature comes by beholding and by receiving him into our hearts. And he becomes the most valuable thing we've ever known. If we don't understand, listen. If we don't understand that saving faith is seeing Christ as infinitely valuable, then the church will be full of non-born-again people that are here for the quick payoff and not the king.
If we don't see him as the most glorious thing I could ever know, then we just want something temporary for him to do for us. And then we never come in seeking the king who is above everything. It's possible, listen, to know your Bible. It's possible to even do the things that the Bible says and not see Jesus as most glorious. Look in John 5. The Father who sent me has himself bore witness about me. He's talking to the Jews. He's talking to the religious leaders of the day. His voice you've never heard. He's talking to the church dudes. You've never heard his voice. His form you've never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yet it is they that bear witness about me. It's the Bible shows you me, yet you refuse to come to me. So that you may have life. Life only comes through seeing Jesus as infinitely worthy. So we want to see him. I want to see him. Church. I want to behold him. Second Corinthians 4. Look at this. And even if our gospel is veiled. Where is it veiled over? The hearts. Even if our gospel is veiled. It's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, which is the glory of Christ, to see the worth of Christ, the glory and the fame and the renown of Christ. So the light of the gospel in my heart is seeing Christ as most glorified, who is the image of God for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of the darkness. Has shown in our hearts. To give light of the knowledge of the glory. The glory, the infinite worth of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. And so, if you've ever talked to somebody. Who's had this beholding, this, this, this receiving experience. You'll see this, this transformation in them. When who knew me when I was, when I was a young man. I guess I still am a young man, but when I was really young. It's like this thing, it, it. This happened, I, I behold, I received, I found, he found me, I, I received this. And so, and so he shined this light into my heart and now I, I'll never be the same because I see him as greater than anything. What, what is the world going to do to me? Nothing, they can't do nothing. He's greater than my job. He's greater than my career. He's greater than my family. He's greater than my kids. I love my kids. He's greater than my wife. Baby, I love you. But he's better. 
So if someone gets sick, it's going to tear me up. Oh, it's going to tear me up. But he's better. I mean, I won't ever have to go through that. But there's a transformation that comes not through religious activities, not through going to church, not through small group, not through missions, not through this behavior or that behavior. Transformation only comes through beholding Jesus Christ as ultimate. All right, let's finish up. I told you to keep your finger in John 18. Let's go back. John 18. I'm going to finish this mug up and some of you are like, thank you, Lord. The talk that Jesus and Pilate are having. Jesus says, I say to you that I. You say that I am a king for this purpose. I was born for this purpose. I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Listen, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So now there's a new change in nature and it starts with listening to God's voice. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of God. So now. I don't listen to my own voice. Uh, what, what I think I should do, I ask God, God, what do you want me to do? I listen to his voice because I see him as more valuable. He's the best counselor there is. He's the best guide there is. He's the best, best person, being, greatness, God there is. And so I want to listen to his voice. And so everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Listen to what Pilate says. This is huge. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Have you ever um, watched a sad movie that you know the end to? Like Old Yeller or something? You ever seen Old Yeller? What a cute little puppy. Right? You know the end. You know how it turns out? A little while ago, we watched Where the Red Fern Grows. Have you ever seen that? Dominic lost it. <laughs> it's about these two dogs. They grow up. They bond with this boy. And the whole time, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, this... Because I know how it ends, man. I mean, I know how it goes. I know how it's going to be. And so... No, 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 no. Let's, no, let's just stop right here. Let's not go forward. And, and so, and so I read this text. If you, if you understand Pilate, Pilate was not raised in Jerusalem. He was a leader. He was, um, he had to have earned his position. He had probably had seen the empire. And so Pilate, being in this position, is talking to Jesus And he's seen pretty much the known world. He's seen religion. He's become cynical to religion. He's seen bloodshed over religion. His heart has grown hard. And so Jesus says, I've come to bear witness to the truth. Me. I'm worthy. I'm I'm, I'm being glorified. And Pilate just says, What is truth? Standing right in front of him. Historically, three years, 
down the road, Pilate takes his own life. Not biblically, historically, that's what happens. So many times I just want to go and I want to plead with this guy. Do you not see him? Because you're seeing him right here. But you're not seeing him. So I want to plead because I have to believe, listen, here today, there's got to be, there's got to be some cynics in here. There's got to be some people in here who think, he think, oh, truth? Oh, you mean religion? Oh, I've, I've seen religion. Oh, I've seen church. Okay, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about these rules and regulations and these war, these things that wars come out of. Oh, oh, you're talking religion. And he says, what is truth? Yet it's standing right before him and he wants to receive him. He's like, do you not see him? And so the veil remains on those who are perishing. Listen, I get it. I, I, I get I get cynicism. I get how easy it can be to miss it. But I'm here to tell you that faith, through faith, hope can be had. Huh? Through faith, truth can be found. Like through faith, he can become your most precious, most prized, most beautiful. By faith, he will unveil our hearts so that today, tomorrow, and forever, we would see him as the most precious treasured of all. So today, we ask the Holy Spirit to receive this truth as a, in the gospel-centered life. That we would receive by faith, that we would see with our hearts that he's more valuable, more precious, more beautiful, more satisfying than anything in the universe. Because it will absolutely set you free. Free to what? What's it set me free to do? Sets you free to worship. But that's next week. Let's pray. Jesus, I know this text has challenged the the life of me this week and I and so I would presume that I would ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to challenge us. That today we would ask and plead with you if there's anything in our lives that we've placed above you. Maybe, maybe we received you from, for, for some sort of payoff. But Jesus, today I would ask 
that you would open the eyes of our hearts because there's many here today who are tired of doing church they're tired of just playing the game knowing the right things to say doing this we're just exhausted but we refuse to behold you as the most glorious out of beholding your glory we're transformed by beholding your glory where we bear fruit Jesus today if there's anyone here who would just say I've been running this race but I need a new life I want to see him we want to see him God will you allow us to see you if that's your prayer today if you would confess today that you're here And maybe in your life you've experienced or seen the things that Christ has done. But today you want to behold him. You want a a new life. You want to see him for most glorious. If If you've never done that, just want to pray for you. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as the most valuable treasure and you want to do that, you want to make your prayer known and say, I want God to open my heart so that I would see him. If you're here today and you need that or you want that, will you raise your hand up and just put it right back down? I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone? Okay. anybody else I don't want to just see the things that God does I want to see his glory in the face of Jesus Christ I want him to be my treasure maybe you're here today and it's been a while since you've asked Jesus to be your treasure your your most glorious your infinite value and today you would just need to cry out to God I would say don't forsake this time don't don't neglect this time right now don't just look to the end of service to get out of here and go about your business but will you pray That God would open your heart again. That today you can receive him again and again. Jesus. We know that the only hope for this church is beholding you. And seeing you with our hearts. So stand. Sing. Kneel. Pray. Raise your hands. Shout to him whatever you need to do. 
but ask him as a church body today that he would open our hearts to see him. High and lifted up because he is worthy of all praise. Amen.